Welcome to the School Business Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm talking to a school business manager who has been in the role for just over a year. Yes, his first year in post has been during the pandemic. Not only that, he is a school governor and was also previously the managing director of his own company. David is joining me today, not only to talk about his journey into the profession, but also to share his thoughts on the profession more generally with his new and fresh perspective. Let's dive in. And on today's episode, I'm joined by David McClelland. David is fairly new to the education sector, having moved into a primary SBR role from the private sector, more specifically logistics, in August 2020. His previous roles, including MD of his own company, mean that he has lots of transferable skills in finance, ICT, HR, and premises. In his spare time, David is a governor at the high school he attended, which is now part of a MAT, where he has held positions including vice chair and the chair of finance and resources. Today, we're talking about the role of SBL from David's point of view, a fresh perspective. Welcome, David. Hi, Lola. Right, I need to kind of get this out in the open. August 2020, we're in the middle of a pandemic at that point, and you decide now is the time to become a school business leader. How was that? Yeah, people say that to me quite a few uh, times. Um, I guess, why then? I worked in logistics for probably about 20 years, my career for 25 years in other areas before that. And um, I exited my own business in February 18 and then worked for the company that kind of did the acquisition. Um, but then in the in January, they decided to make me redundant. So just as COVID hit, here I am, having worked for myself for most of my career, I'm now back in the sort of world of seeking employment. And it was a family friend that um, had been a governor at her child's primary school and knew that I was a governor elsewhere. And she's like, you know, you need to get into schools. You'll be, a, you'll be great. Obviously, it's a sideward move in some respects, backward move in, in, in others, but a forward move as well. And so I just started having a look around. The, the jobs market kind of started to fall. And a, a few SBM roles, operations roles came up within um, there were some high schools, some maths. And I spoke to a couple of people in the sector and those opportunities didn't get anywhere. And I think maybe because of my lack of experience in the sector, probably was doing myself a bit of a disservice. So I just kind of started to apply for primary. And I thought, well, if I just treat it as like a a, re, a new sector, new opportunity, but kind of do an apprenticeship, I suppose, in my own mind. And the school that I'm, I'm now at, um, I applied in, in the March, was interviewed in the June and started at the end of August last year. Single form entry. So you get to sort of see everything that goes on within non-teaching within a school. And I suspect with, with if it was more of a, a mat or a secondary or even larger primary, um, I may not have sort of been exposed to all the stuff that goes on in schools so quickly. So, yeah, it was kind of a, a scary moment. But looking back, it's been a tough year generally, I guess, for everybody. Yeah. But what I've looked back and kind of gone, okay, what went well? I guess that's an educational term, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, what could have been done better everything else? What I've realized is it was probably for me, I'm not saying it would be for everybody. Um, I'm one of these people that just likes to dive in, get get into the thick of it and get stuff done. And I think had it not been COVID and it just been business as usual, then it might have been a slower uptake of what I was able to do, the effectiveness that I was able to bring, um, my experiences from outside. 
I'm always looking to make improvements or look for opportunities for improvement, not necessarily make them for making sake. And I think with COVID, we've had to do things, work from home, which is something I've done, set up working from home is something that I've always done. And I guess that's with my technological understanding background. But we had to, for example, we had to close the school um, in January for a week. Public Health England said, you've got too many cases bouncing around the school. We need to create a circuit break. So we all worked from home. I was able to do my job, most of it, including answering the phone from home because of some of the changes I'd put into place. And that's one little thing. It had, the school had a telephone system. It didn't. It had a deck phone system like you would have at home. You know, one Mm. phone line coming in, three handsets, and that was it. And I'm like, how can that function? One of my presentation points, which I was asked to do as part of my interview, was the school would like to look at a phone system. This is the requirements. What would you recommend? I'm like, that's right up my street. So I'd Mm -hmm. gone and put research in, cloud-based solution. And surprisingly, that's the solution we ended up buying. And it cost us no more than we were currently paying for communications already. We didn't need mm. the mobile phones as spares. So we, we can cancel those, use that same funds to put into a cloud-based solution, and it works a dream. We were able to deliver education through Google uh, Classrooms that had been in place from last year, um, but we were able to answer phones, access SIMs, and all that stuff from home. Um, so, yeah, it was a, an interesting time, but in some respects, um, I yeah, I, I definitely learned and integrated myself within the school, within the senior leadership team, because it was a new role for senior leaders as well. The previous SBM office manager was, and she'd retired after 20 X years of service at that school. Um, my role was part of SLT. So I was picking up all that sort of bits as well. Um, so that was new. So it was literally right in the deep end. Um, and looking back, yeah, there were some scary moments but i i didn't think i didn't drown and and i was able to make you know a positive effect on on what i'm doing in school which is good it's interesting your background in logistics like i said at first glance you think august 2020 he's chosen to become a school business manager but your skill set in the middle of pandemic was probably very well placed (laughs) it was um i did speak to a number of agencies speak to a number of recruiters to get back into the sector but um, what speaking to recruiters and and others, what the sector was doing, it was using the resource it already had and uh, using um, experience and people they already had at the top of end, if you like. And they brought yeah. everybody up a level and then they mm. just backfilled at the bottom level because that's where they could get the resource quicker. So in terms of like, whether it be Amazon or whatever organization we want to find, think about when when you hear the word logistics, um, it's about how do they do things in that business currently? How do they understand the culture? Yes, it's all a pandemic, so there's all this new stuff, but to, to learn everything from scratch. So a lot of companies were kind of up, you know, upskilling existing supervisors, managers, upper level, mm-hmm. to, on, on sidestepping them to, into other areas but then recruiting at the lower level. Mm. And that's the, that's what was, was happening. There were other jobs out there as well. But I guess from an experience point of view, because I'd done the job for so long, and I was mm. one of these people that, you know, left school at 16, did did a HNC, ONC, tried a degree, and all while I was working. 
yeah, degree wasn't for me. I'm I'm a learner, but I like to have applied knowledge rather than just textbook. That's not me. And I think maybe formal qualifications did myself a disservice. But in certain sectors, they they it's like, no, it's about experience, it's about making that difference. What can you bring to the role? It's not what do you necessarily know in terms of you know qualification wise, which are clearly important. Um, but I think it's that fine balance. And I think in a school business manager role, what, what is it? I guess, um, and I talk analogies all the time, so I apologize now. But if you think about what is a school business manager, it's the, in my setting and in other settings, it's probably the same. You're the head of everything non-teaching or non-operational. Yeah. But that's what I, in logistics, even though that's been my sector, my background was more non-operational, even though I got involved in operational things by virtue of having my own company. But that's what I did. So if it was finance, IT, HR, security, premises, uh, health and safety, I've probably said them all. It sounds like a bit of a generation game. But all that sort of areas and stuff that I did is transferable, whatever yeah. sector you're going into. So what's a skilled business leader, skilled business manager? They're, again, I can only talk for my own setting and every setting's different, but um, I am head of everything non-teaching. So I look after finance, I'm dealing with premises matters, I'm dealing with cleaning matters. Over, over time, that will become my role as part of the senior leadership team. I've got sort of that strategic operational bit as well, working with the head teacher and the governance to try and kind of get the school where the vision needs to go. So if you think about, or if we think about, all those things um, that happen in a school, they're likely to happen in any other organization around the country. And I know we, you know, even I laugh, one minute you can be dealing with a parent at the front door that's paying for a trip. The next minute the phone's going because it's an ICAT call or it's a safeguarding call. The next minute someone's complaining because the paper towels are the wrong color or mm-hmm. that the new paper towel supply you've got, the ink's running. And it's like, well, actually, that's because the premises manager didn't, didn't order any. And the quickest we could get some was from somewhere else because our normal mm-hmm. supplier deliver once a week. And all that kind of stuff. And I know people laugh about what happens within schools and it's unique. It is in some respects, but if if you kind of peel back the the wrapper and look at what goes on, it's very similar to what happens in any other organization. And I guess from a logistics comparison, maybe this is why I fitted in so well so quickly. In logistics, I suppose it's a bit like healthcare. It's, It's about... Things happen now and you need to react and deal with it now, not tomorrow, not next week. It's about now, where some organizations, you have that luxury of time, I guess, um, in a school office role or in any part of school, it's not, there's some things that you can't put off till tomorrow, you can't put off till next week. And that continual reshuffling of the priorities, but I mean, I, I do laugh. I'll go in on one day and go, right, here's the list of things I want to get done today. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the week, I go, oh, when I look at my, my, my book, I've got a hardback book that I use, and I've now gone into an A4 diary to, to put things in the future rather than thinking about doing it all now. It's like, no, that can be done, or their tasks are done later. I realize I haven't done any of that. And you think, what have I actually done this week? But then you realize and look back and you go, well, there's that to do, that to do, that to do, and that to do. And it's all, it is that continual. And I, and I think it is, it is that continual reshuffling of the priorities because planning can be done, but then something can happen 
and that's that curveball and it can all change. So maybe in a weird way, my background in logistics completely suits the ever-changing fast pace of you know non-teaching responsibilities within schools. As you were talking, I was just thinking of other people we've had on the podcast. So we've had Emma and Laura, and I'm, I'm sure I've spoken to others about their backgrounds. And everyone's come at this role from a different background with different skill sets and, as we've said, transferable skills. And it's interesting, isn't it? You know, some people have come in at the SBL level. Some people have come in at office manager. I came in as a PA. You know, we've all got different skill sets, but how we all get there and have this mindset and these common traits, I find fascinating. It is. When I kind of look at the people I came into contact with within the setting before all this, as you picked up, as we've talked about briefly, I joined in 2015 my local high school where I live, which happens to be mm. my childhood high school. When my family moved over from Bradford, I joined in then what was year, uh, what is now called year 10. So I was only there two, two years. But I remember my younger brothers, they went to a different high school and they're 10 and 12 years younger than me. And they said, what you need to do, you need to become a governor at our school because our head teacher hasn't got a clue what he's doing. Now, <laughs> obviously, they were 15, 16, 14 at the time, so you're kind of going, hmm. But I laugh and joke with them even to this day. And I don't kind of say to them, I became a governor because of what they said to me. But it's like, hmm, did they really have something in their minds of going, actually, there's something there, this is what should happen. And speaking to... So, as mentioned before about a family friend that sort of suggested school business leadership as a as an avenue after I was made redundant. And she was a governor at her, her son's high school. She was a governor there for like 18 years, I think. And she she works in the, in 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 a sales in a sales role, very in a, but it's a very structured way of working. And when I looked at it, I thought actually, having had my own business, I'll start my own business then. Um, I've got some spare time. For my own career, I guess in personal development, it's not all about my own business. What can I do to keep my mind busy? What can and it's about giving back, and that's how I viewed it. So I joined in the November, December of fifteen. My first meeting, I turned up as you do. It's like yeah, you have to say who you are, what you're doing, why you're there, and then just sat there looking at all these documents and papers. Then I find out that the chair of the finance and resources had left at that meeting, not because I joined, by the way. <laughs> they, were just, they were just moving away. And I sort of messaged the, the chair and I said, I don't know how this works, but I'd like to be involved in that committee because it's what I do. And he, he replied back saying, good, because um, that's why we, we wanted you as a governor because you've come from that business background. And at that time, the school was single academy trust and, mm. and had been for about three or four years. And I, I thought, such well, if you stuck for someone to, to sort of lead on that, I don't mind getting my hands dirty and having a go at it. But if I get it wrong, don't have a go at me. He's like, oh, he said, well, I was going to wait until Easter to ask you. But if you want to have a go at it now, then yeah, why not? And then four or five years later, when it became a multi-academy trust, and then that structure changed because of, maybe that's a discussion for a different type of topic, but the local governing body structure and responsibilities changed because of the, the, of the map that was created around it with the school. It was, a, it was an insight into how, the the world of business and education works and ultimately they were a company well they were um, single academy mm. trust and multi-academy trust are a company because they're registered at company's house um they have to have directors obviously there's the education bit and there's the charities act that comes into it as well 
but that was my sort of first exposure to it of um you know school business as it were and the person that was there had just recently joined as well and he'd come from um a further education college as a da- in 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 a finance world so the so people come from different backgrounds different places um and he was really good at finance stuff but i got on really well with him and it was we had that sort of definite gap relationship with from a governance point of view and an operational point of view but we were always a, as a small group of governors as the chairs we we all had experiences elsewhere and we were encouraged to bring them into school and to work as a bigger team so we mm-hmm. had an executive group of governors it was about we could meet we used to meet on a monthly basis with the head and the executive and just chat about things and things would come up and they would be operational they would be and we'd, we'd share ideas and things to try and help because that's what we were we were there to do. We we, we all wanted to, to you know improve things for the school, and I and I think maybe that's where I started to see that connection. Did I think that one day I'd be working in a school? Probably not. No, but when the opportunity arose or the suggestion and the circumstances meant that I was back out in the world of you know applying for jobs. Again, looking back, as a sector, it's a pretty secure sector to be in. So mm. in some respects, from a job security point of view, it was the right role to go into because the role's always needed. Schools always still need to deliver education. And throughout the pandemic, we've seen all that. And I think from that, the journey that I've gone into school and how I've gone into it, would I have become a school business manager if a family friend hadn't kind of had that conversation with me about the similarities? Probably not. Would I have been a school business manager or even applied to be a school business manager if I hadn't had that experience of being a governor? I would say that's probably one of the things that, A, got me in the mindset and kind of when it came up, it's like, hmm, yeah, that's I could do that because I know something about schools. At that point, I didn't. And I think you touched on it before in some of your other podcasts about what is it you know how do you get into school business management what is the role what is the job you know you've got all these other titles whether it be bursa office assistant office administrator um, office manager school business manager and potentially that has different levels Uh, and people kind of like in any job title it's not about the title it's not about the products it's the packaging it's what it is inside And, and and for me i think having that experience in my own business um in other businesses and having that background in governance probably did help in preparing me in that sense for that role because i had no experience whatsoever on paper i had zero experience of working in a school but yet here i am working in a single elementary primary school in a um, a challenging area of the country. Pupil premium is 54%, but I'm school business manager, part of SLT, but with no on paper experience of the job, of the role, of the sector. And maybe that's something that maybe that from a head teacher point of view, and I have spoken to him briefly, because uh, I was intrigued about, you know, not saying why me, because I've clearly wanted to, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to be at the school. And his view was what we liked about it was, A, you had a governance experience, so you understood governance, you understood what schools were all about. The fact is that you've got 
a vast range of experiences outside of school. And we wanted someone to come in with a fresh set of eyes to see what we do and to help us get us where we need to get to. And I think sometimes in education, I've, and I've heard this in, in my role as a governor, when I used to sort of make points about finance, about the school, one of the governors um, who became chair for a short time uh, in his 70s, he said to me, David, what you need to understand is, um, you know, schools aren't like business, you know. And it's like, yeah, why? And it's like, we're not like a business. We're here to, it's about the children. It's about, um, you know, education. And I thought, that's interesting from someone that has worked in a school and from a teaching point of view as an ex-teacher. And there was an, in, that was, I, I just thought at that point when he said that, I thought, that's interesting. So is that because he has no experience or no understanding of what schools now are? or what non-teaching side of a school is. And whilst I'm in a school, I know it's tongue-in-cheek type comments, but I learn every day. Every day that I'm there, there is something that I go, I didn't know about that. No one told me about that. And I'm always asking those questions to the head teacher. And I did say to him the other day, after my, you know, it's my first year, I said, at some point, I'm probably going to stop asking you questions. He went, you won't. It's because every day mm-hmm. is different. Something will crop up. And... We have we all have many memory tensions, and something that you may have heard about, you may have picked up on your first day, may not happen again. And so you will ask. He said, "But that's the whole point of why we're a team." He yeah. said, "And that, that he said that's massive for me. It's not about single people being, you know, on in their own. It's a it's a massive team effort, and uh, you know, and being part of it and the things you've done. You know, it's it's one of those sort of areas where you will never stop learning." It's interesting. While you were talking, I was thinking about the, the recognition that you've got for your skill set and your transferable skills. You know, your head teacher at interview saw that in you and thought, yes, that's what I want for my school. And I think, I know a lot of SBLs who have that issue in terms of getting that recognition from their teaching colleagues of the value and the impact that they can and have on the school, you know, the value they can add and the impact that they can have. You know, what, what is your view on that? You know, you've got a very supportive head teacher. How do you think it would have been for you with the skills that you've got working for a head that maybe wasn't as supportive or maybe didn't quite get it? I suppose if the head teacher was not the type of character he is, I wouldn't have got the job because they probably would have wanted somebody from the sector that's worked in the sector already. And maybe was that... Like for, for, for me, there's two different styles, I think. And I've picked this up from my time as a governor in, and speaking to other governors and other people in the sector as my journey took me. I think there are head teachers that you know, are great at education and that's what they focus on. They don't get the rest. And so they go, they speak to their colleagues and they go, oh yeah, what you want is an office manager or what you need to do, you need to upgrade the office manager to an SBM because that's what's happening now out there. And they don't really get what the role is. It's about, oh, we'll just give them a title because it makes them feel important, makes them feel like the head of something when, when they're really not because we're the head teacher. And what goes on in the school ultimately is us and nobody else. I think the benefit and the luxury that I've had is a head teacher that wanted those, wanted to not say break away from the norm because it's not about the norm. The other way of isn't the norm. But I think he wanted to take a fresh set of eyes because, like a lot of things, if you always do things the way you always did them, then it comes as no surprise that your outcome will always be the same. 
So sometimes you kind of have to go back to basics and start again. Again, it's in, in my setting, my predecessor had been there 20 odd years. So the payroll reports that come up for our payroll provider need to be put together and then put into the finance system as a journal. But did she understand what really tax was all about, national insurance? No, to her, it was just numbers going in boxes. And when you kind of said to her, and I had that conversation about the different things, she didn't get it. It was all about that number goes in that box, but why? Because it does. But in her defense, she's never needed to know. Yeah. And therefore has never needed to know anything more. So that's why potentially the school wanted, I think, to take the opportunity to go, right, okay, things have been done the way they've been done for a long time. There may be opportunities to do things differently, to get a fresh set of eyes. And my head teacher and the governor's clearly supported that. That's um, what they wanted. And I think education is a difficult sector as an organisation. I was in a meeting with governors when we, as a high school, we were looking at creating this multi-academy trust. And um, there's probably about 15, 20 head teachers in the room who were thinking of considering joining the high school in its formation of this multi-academy trust. And um, I was kind of listening. I was kind of being fairly quiet because I thought, I'm going to go along to the meeting anyway because I want to get an interest. But I'm thinking, am I going to get anything out of it? Am I going to be able to input? And the moment came up and I'm thinking, because they're all talking about, well, we're going to lose responsibilities. We're going to lose this. And I said, well, can't talk for any other maps, how we're doing things. But from what we're looking to do here is that you're all heads of teachers. You're all leaders of education. I suspect none of you, when you decide to do your teacher training, decided that you want to become a managing director of a provider of education of learning to people mm. and they all looked at me as if I'd got three heads and I kind of went on to say you joined this profession to teach children what are the things that are bogging you down that you don't get you don't understand you don't know if what you're being told is correct it's probably the stuff that you didn't join the profession to deal with whether it be premises finance you join to teach, you join to do CPD in teaching and to be leaders of education, which is what you now are. What this match structure, and I can't, and I can't talk for any other match because I think they're all different. What we were sort of saying was all that centralization, the business stuff, the non-teaching stuff takes the pain away from you. So all you need to do is concentrate on teaching what you join the profession to do and teachers teach and those people do different things. And I think... The sector, whether you agree with multi-academy trusts or not, and that's a different discussion in a different arena, I think there is, there is definitely some noise out there of this distinction about we need to make schools more efficient, they need to be more financially stable, more value for, the, the value for money stuff comes out. It's about the profession opening their eyes from a teaching point of view and head teachers to kind of trust and to break that mold of, yeah, let's just do things we work the way we've always done because that's the safest thing to do for them. And the fact that I'm part of SLT allows me to kind of showcase, I guess, yeah, I get access to the whole of school. And albeit it is a 
a single form entry, but I'll sit in SLT meetings and they'll be going on for like 45 minutes about teaching and learning and something will crop up and I'll pipe up and say something. And they go, oh, right, because they get an alternative view. I know nothing about teaching, but I know, I know about service delivery, if you like. I know about interaction with people. When they talk about maybe parents or complaints, well, a parent's, in inverted commas, a customer. So I've got experience of dealing with customers of varying kinds of experiences. And you can talk about those sort of things and bring analogies in from outside to help talk about a problem and, and work through it together. And I think in my school, yeah, the teaching side, I've probably heard things and found things of what school business leadership is all about. It's not about the person that sits in the office, answers the door and answers the phone and deals with parents when they want to pay for dinner money or school trips. It it comes more than that. Although the other day it did kind kind of annoy me that one of the teachers, teaching assistants, was talking to a parent yeah, I'll just get David. Um, yeah, I'll get the secretary in the office to have a look at that for you. Um, David, could you just come and speak to his parent? It's like, mm, I'm not the secretary. I'm mm. not that at all. And they kind of went, mm, well, well. And, and I kind of just moved moved on. <laughs> and um, and I think it is about creating that exposure. And we have to market ourselves, I think. Those of us that are in the sector already. If we want to the sector to embrace school business professionals, and school business leaders, we kind of have to take that torch ourselves and and show what we can do as a profession in the sector and show and do our own without kind of doing our own marketing and, you know, doing a, a presentation. But as part of how we behave, how we do things is to present ourselves as a profession within the sector because we, you know, we are a group of people that are, can be highly effective in making you know the delivery of education slicker yeah can we make it easier can we stop behavioral issues no that's not what we do but can we manage and look at resources make funds available in the right place can we be more efficient in some of the things we do outside of the classroom which therefore means the head teacher the deputy head teacher the pastoral lead isn't having to deal with things in such a way can they get to the information that they need quicker which therefore frees up their time um, to be able to do the things in the classroom. And for me, in some of the cost things I'm looking at recently, I'm very clear to when I'm talking to potential suppliers and to the head, cost is not just cash. I know that from my own business. You know, the cost of doing something isn't just the amount that you write on the check when you're paying for that service. It's the cost of what you have to do within your organization within the school um you know something might be the cheapest you know photocopier but if it's breaking down every five minutes and you have to ring the company every five minutes it's distracting but you could go to a different supplier and you may pay that little bit more and that's the value where you kind of say is that extra little bit of cost and a cash point of view cheaper in the long run to do something and for me that's where I'm seeing a lot of my discussions is about value for money. We may have to spend cash on something, but it's the cost to the school, which is just not the cash. That's the important thing. And I think as the sector develops, and I think as professionals, that's the thing that I think we need to be bringing to the table 
so we can create more efficiencies and more time for those that are involved in what we do, which is teach children, can do that. If your boss isn't doing things the way you think it should be done, it's like in any business, how do you get around it? Well, there's two things. You either sit down and talk to them and look at that bigger picture and kind of take them on a journey, try and take them on a journey. If that's not mm-hmm. going to work, then you, you sidestep. You go out to another organization that you feel you can benefit no, those things that those things are always going to be. We're never going to change the head teachers overnight, and we're never going mm-hmm. to change some of those head teachers who are stubborn enough to go, "It's my way or no way." Well, they may be not what they'll do. They'll clip your wings. So, as as somebody who wants to fly and wants to make improvements and benefit the greater good, and can see the value in the role, if if it's if it's just playing at lip service, then you're not going to change them. It needs to be a change of head teacher change of governance and the, the issue about you know how effective is governance or not in these things i'm not sure we will ever solve the problem i think it's the evolutional that head teachers right. need to get on board with school business uh deploy like i'm doing my sbp and my head teacher's on board for that it was done through apprenticeship levy it's getting we have to as a profession fight our own corner and over time push the boundary of what we want to do and make our role and responsibilities bigger and I think over time it'll happen because it's going to it will because it, it always does doesn't it? if you've got a group whether it be a militant union or whatever they always you know manage to push themselves into where they need to be but it's like the titanic you know if you want all oh, the qe2 you want to turn it you know it's you can't yeah. just stop it like a speedboat and go turn it you know it takes six miles to stop the thing to move it to turn direction it's just not going to happen overnight but I think there's lots out there with ISBL, school business professional organizations, school business qualifications. It's starting to happen. Some local authorities won't let you recruit and, a, and have a title of school business manager unless they've got a school business management qualification. I didn't know that. So it's like a requirement. You can only call it a school business manager if they are on your SLT and they've got a school business management qualification. Yeah, I've heard that is becoming more common. And in some ways, I think it's a a standard, isn't it? And it's a benchmark. And I think in terms of your head teacher, he was very clear. He wanted a school business manager of a particular type that was going to come in, that was going to look at things differently, that was going to challenge. As it happened, you were out of sector. Like I say, you have transferable skills that obviously made that a very good fit. Like I said, there were other business managers, maybe in other schools, that still would have fit that bill. But he was of a particular mindset, wasn't he? If we want to do things differently, I'm open to challenge. I want you on the leadership team. You know, I'm just looking for the best fit of that role. And like you say, it's the role of school business manager is such a broad church, I think, is is what the ISBOL say, isn't it? In terms yes. of the different types of roles and the different levels that people operate at. And how do we... You know, how do you how do you marry all of that together and still raise the profile of the profession and get the parity and equality that we talk about? Having a, a recognized professional body, ISBL, I think is is doing a it's doing its best. It's it's changing as organizations do. I think in terms of qualifications and funding for qualifications in CPD, um, non-teaching staff or support staff i think as cpd opportunities are completely different with a teacher it's structured it's mm. it's a given it's a requirement whereas in support staff 
there isn't really any structure. It's not a given. You have to go and ask for it. It needs to be added. The money needs to be found. Whereas in teachers, the money's got to be there for that. I think in terms of the qualification I'm doing, so I, through my sort of period of looking for opportunities, when I started to look at school business managers, I'd come across an aspiring school business management webinar type session operated in conjunction with Circo. And people, please don't fall off your chairs to the audience when I've said that name. And that kind of thought put in my mind, I thought, okay, I don't know where I'm going to do opportunities. So I was going to do that course on my own and find a school to kind of be my host school, which is what I heard the other, the other week with the aspiring podcast that you did where that person mm. did that same thing and I'm thinking gosh I tried to do that and it was a nightmare so great on good luck to you but you found yourself a school to work with so when I joined I was well prepared to be funding that myself because I thought from a career point of view from a development point of view it kind of gives me the opportunity to, to, to learn in the context of education and in schools and again I found out since my head teacher was like really pleased to hear that and the fact that I want to do it from the minute I got there, not leave it for six months or 12 months and do it next year. I want to do it here and now. And I spoke to through, as, as we all are on Facebook and different groups for things, I was talking to a school business manager because I was talking about the qualifications and things on a, on a post. And he said, oh, you give me a call if you want. He's a, he's a school business manager that's come from outside. He's working in a specialist provision school. So he's basically it's a it is a ultimately it's not a local authority maintained so ultimately it's like a an academy type so it's his own business and it's about four and a half miles away from me and that's the thing in covid we've all become more internet connected yeah. and speaking to people that could actually be around the corner and we'd never bump into them and that's enabled us to do things like with what you you've been doing you, you've been able to connect people all the way over, all over the country and bring us all mm. together as, and bring this community to, together. And in speaking to Noel, we were talking about what to do. He said, well, what you need to do is do a level five. Don't use that. Do it through the apprenticeship level. Don't be paying it for yourself. Be hard-faced. Tell the school. Find out if they've got an apprenticeship level. And if they've got it, put your name out there. Tell them that if that's what you want to do. It shows that you are doing, you're in charge of your own CPD, that you're connecting to the sector and that, you, that, and, and that you, you are putting yourself on that stall and this is you. So I did. And um, I'm now doing my level four. And it's working a dream. Um, I'm learning lots of things. I'm learning massively. It's a, it's a, it's a challenge because it's, it's learning a new job in a new sector. And I'm doing a qualification at the same time. Um, for me as well, looking back, it validates. A, it was the right decision. For me, it's about solidifying the role and sort of repackaging me to, to have that those skills and knowledge. So in some respects, is like on your previous podcast, is sometimes you have to kind of take the ball by the horns and do things for yourself. But I guess there's a, there's probably the elephant in the room that all support staff and school business leaders have is this parity or or this question of parity whether there is parity or isn't the parity between what I would call I guess it's operational and non-operational or in an educational setting it's teachers and 
support staff. It's your teachers, your teacher, your TAs. And then on the potential other side in the support world, you've got your skilled business people, you've got your office people, you've got your cleaners, you've got your premises management, you've got your caretaker. If you're in a secondary school, you might have your, your HR person, your payroll person, your finance person, your IT person. And this parity or lack of um, that may exist. And that, I don't think, helps either in this recognition of, because we are on the support side, albeit I'm part of SLT, so I kind of bridge, but I'm not a teaching. So I, I'm part of a group of people that's made up of people from both sides. But in that group, there, was not, there isn't parity. Um, and you know, we hear it, I guess, in a lot of conversations that um, the sector has. Um, you know, teachers are paid 52 weeks of the year, but, but have all this time off. But actually, they don't have time off. You know, I'm married to a secondary school teacher. And it's a standing joke. Oh, you've got a 13 weeks holiday. Yeah, it's slightly different though. It's not 13 weeks holiday. But if we look at the support side, you know, contracts are drafted, term time only. Well, mm. what does that really mean? So it's term time only. So it's an 8.30 till three o'clock. Well, in terms of my job, I can't do it in that time. And I'm sure there's you know, probably people listening now going, oh, well, that's just the norm. But it doesn't make it right <laughs> in from, his, from his parity point of view. And I think some school business leaders, some support staff get the CPD, there is structure, there is this recognition. But I think people have to are ending up having to fight for it. So if you look at the teaching side, they've got a structure with the burgundy book and the contracts. They've got progression. They've got automatic progression. Whereas in support staff, it's oh well, you're on that scale, and that's and that's the scale. You get or oh, you get a pay rise, but that's just what everyone gets. Inflation wise, once the unions have done their numbers, everyone gets it. But for me, it's like where's shouldn't there be in certain aspects of the support staff, especially those that are involved more of a strategic or, or in a strategic or management role, there needs to be opportunities for development. There needs to be opportunities and recognition that the job isn't just school hours. You know, people are, like the premises person, they get paid for every hour that they do outside of the contract. If he turns but a weekend, works at a weekend, yeah, he puts his overtime sheet in. And I've heard this elsewhere. But when he comes to school business leaders, that's your salary and you kind of just, that's the job and that's the pay. The, there needs to be something in that parity because, you know, as a sector, we're saying there isn't us and them. And school business leaders are in the support side. And if, I think it's an equality thing and that dynamic possibly needs to change and then everyone is an equal and therefore that parity would be there. And maybe this as a profession we will get recognized as being a profession. That's just my view outside looking in from coming from a, you know, I guess a completely different sector. For me, I think we have, you know, teaching staff, teaching is a profession and we have non-teaching staff or support staff. I don't think, I don't think many people are happy with either of those terms. It's just the best way to describe it for this discussion. Um, but I think the issue actually becomes at the, the strategic level or if you like the leadership level business managers should be, you know, in, in most cases, leadership roles yes. in terms of the, the level that they operate. And I think as soon as 
a teacher becomes a, a middle leader or a senior leader or the head teacher, that's where they make that distinction that, that transition, yeah. if you like, and that dis- distinction. And, and I don't think that actually happens for school business managers or school business leaders, as I like to call them. And I think that's where the, the parity should, should meet. And that is where the equivalent should be in the leadership elements of the role. Because like you say, you are head of everything that's non-teaching. And that is about accountability and responsibility and what that carries in your role in comparison to the head's role. And one can't exist without the other, whichever way you slice it. No. And again, it's like, I don't want to kind of um, be the new kid on the block, as it were, and kind of coming out, yeah, what does people think? You know, well, what does he know? He's not served in the sector long enough to be able to have these views. And, I, and, and, and people saying that, you know, would be, would be valid in saying that. And I think we need to, you know, because it's all indoctrinated, you know, the Education Act back in 19, whenever it was, it, all these things stem out of that. But then we don't evolve. As a teacher, like in anything in life, things evolve. And it's not about being political, but it's like in certain t- contexts. Yeah, society's changed, but the laws haven't. They need to play catch up. We've got things like, you know, society's changed, but employment regulations, how you can, they need to move forward. Recognition, things need to move forward. And I, it's always got, to, and it's always that society changes first and then everything else follows and catches up and will never catch up. I get that. And I'm sure it happens in other sectors, in other professions. But I think that was from what you've just said about teaching being a profession. Some would say, if I just play devil's advocate to ourselves in this discussion, is that what a teacher trains and does all this, they are a profession, a doctor trains and does all what they do. They've got qualifications. They've got to do all these courses before they can become a doctor. A lawyer is a profession. They've got to go to law school. When I did my certificate in company direction with the Institute of Directors, that was a very similar sort of topic area from what we're talking about, about that recognition about, you know, what is a director? Well, anybody can be a director because you just create a title. Mm. And what we're saying is a school business leader needs to be not just a title. It needs to be a qualification. Yeah. It needs to be a recognized, not qualification, recognized experience, a profession. This is, so society and sectors got to catch up to that. And I think, you know, this, there was a school of thought in company directors that you should only be called a director, and this is technically correct, is if you are registered at a company's house as a director. That's where the yeah. institute were going for because they were saying there's unprofessionalness happening. People are calling themselves directors, but they're not in charge of anything. They've not got corporate responsibility. They haven't got any governance responsibilities for the organization which they serve. So I, I, I have that view in terms of governance. Um, with my governor's hat on, I fully understood when I was a governor at a single academy trust what my corporate responsibilities were because I was a director of the organization. Because of my background, I knew what my responsibilities were and I behaved in such a way, but others didn't. They didn't know what that was. And, and I think it's that awareness, it's that cultural change. And I think, you know, I think we, we, we spoke offline previously about you know, what is a school business leader? What's an office manager? What's a bursar? Are they all the same? The, I guess the difficulty we've got, they're all interchangeable and people use that language interchanging. A school business manager, an office manager in a secondary school, in a multi-form entry primary school, in a single form entry primary school, the role is different, people say. 
but if you are a school business leader, people should know exactly what that is. If someone said to you, and you weren't in this, what does a doctor do? Everyone knows what a doctor is. Everyone yeah. knows what a solicitor is. Everyone used to know what a bank manager was in the day. Everyone used to, everyone knows what an accountant is. It's someone that's got a qualification. But what's a school business leader? Now, if we had to paraphrase that, if we had to put a statement on that, what is a school business leader? People don't know. Potentially, we don't know. The sector doesn't we, know. We know from our seat, don't we? We, we know do. what we, we know. do. We know what we do, but the sector doesn't. I think we have to be our own advocates to help that change happen in conjunction with the likes of the ISBL who are doing some great work like the Institute of Directors did to try and change that culture. What I find difficult is that where we're going is a level of standardisation. This is where we're saying we should standardise the role to a point where it's definable, it's clear, there is structure to it. And by nature of that that means that some people who have got that title would fall out of that definition and I think what makes this sector so rich is that it is so broad and diverse so how do we standardize and maintain diversity at the same time because you as a business leader will probably be operating very differently to how I did as a business leader and the person you know on the previous podcast and the one before that we're all doing the same role slightly differently but we all recognize the leadership element that we're talking about and those that maybe aren't fulfilling that leadership element, whether it's by choice or not, that's a different issue. But yeah. how do we standardise and diversify at the same time? That's the $64,000 question. <laughs> that's where I think, you know, all the discussions I've seen online is, is where we, is, this is the kind of impasse that we end up at, isn't it? I do. And I think because we're all working in silos within a school, there's, there's potential silos. I think if we even take it outside, when I joined the profession, the head teacher and the governor, we just got a chat in um, over the summer. I just rang him up and said, look, um, just thought I'd want to, I just thought I'd catch up with you. You're relatively new in school. Um, just want to say, yeah, thanks for everything you, you're doing. You know, it is, I, I as an individual recognise what you and, the, and your team are doing, even though we're governors at the end, I'm a human being. Uh, and we had a chat <clears throat> about a number of things and I was mentioning that I'd gone in, coming into the sector. He said, can I just give you a word of advice? He's like, yeah, go on. He said, join a union mm. I went, no right okay I said he, he said to me are you in one I said well no I've run my own company I've worked for people and I, I'm one of these people that you know I've got something to say I'll just say it I don't need a spokesperson because it's it's messaging in Chinese whispers and they might not say it as I want to say it and um I've come across unions before in my role as a governor and um chairing dismissal appeals and all that nice stuff he said no you need to join one he said, There's, there is one out there. He said, that I would, if I was you. He's, and this is his personal view. And I'm sure there's people out there that are in unions or not in unions. And he suggested I joined Askell, not NAHT, because they've, they've got an SBM arm. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Somebody from the other side <laughs> suggesting that. And so I did a bit of research, just speaking to a few people. And there is a school of thought of, you know, and what they've got is they've got a separate area of, school business management sort of responsibilities and areas for me i'm thinking looking back that conversation had a year i had a year ago have i got any benefits of being in the union no can i see any benefits it's there but looking back i'm thinking the union's already starting to make noise if i look at it so maybe this goes towards answering your question 
So unions are starting to make noise themselves about the need for this separation, for this difference. They've recognised NAHT have as well, but I think ASCOL has done it more than others. So from a union point of view, from that side, they're seeing the difference and the need and recognition. Back to the Titanic QE2, you know, it takes a while to move things, and it's not a speedboat where you can just go, right, left turn caps in and off you go. It is baby steps, it's slow, society moves forward and then things follow. Maybe we are seeing the change, maybe because of, you know, the ISBL, ASCL, organizations, training providers, the recognition with the qualifications. I think it's starting and it's not going to change. And I think it's keeping that momentum going, but adding to it as we go, like a lot of things in life and society, once the momentum starts, it just eventually happens and then it, it, it gets there. And I think maybe with what our sector and our profession does is we need more head teachers like my head teacher who's mm. prepared to go, yeah, we need to do something different because if we don't, we're always going to get what we've always got. I was the only support staff that continued to work when the school closed in January. Mm. And that's where I think the leadership element comes into it. Correct. The teaching profession, people move around. Yeah. But in SBL world, there's two camps, isn't there? Probably like in anything. There's those that stick and stay and there's those that move around. And I think people need to recognise and appreciate and understand and it's no fault that just like teachers will move around for development purposes, school business leadership roles and people will move around for development purposes. And by that fluidity starting to happen, then you're going to get that knowledge merging and mixing and things happening. Am I going to be the best school business manager that my school's had? No. I'll stay. I'll be there till whenever that is. Someone else will come along. They may have other ideas. There may be things that I haven't got a clue about, I haven't really done a great job of. It's, I've done the job, but it wasn't my bag. And therefore, it's like, oh, like I've, I've brought new ideas in. So it's like, now that's how things evolve and that's how we get improvement, don't we? Just kind of coming back to that phrase, you've said it a few times and, and it's right, you know, we'll always get what we've always got if we do what we've always done, yeah. you know? And I think it's the, the mindset and culture and coming back to this conundrum of how do we maintain the diversity in our profession and how do we you know standardize it to a point where we can define it and and champion it a profession there's, there's two parts to it isn't it there is an element of standardization of course but there's also this culture and mindset and as you were talking before about you know working with the unions i, I think recently there has been some partnership discussions haven't there between isbol ASCOL, and naht about the issue i think mainly about pay yes um, and, and parity etc and i think maybe that is it because Again, when we were speaking before offline, we were talking about head teachers and say there are two things about the business manager role, isn't it? You know, there's the job description and the and there's the the profile of the role generally, and then there's the context. What does the head want the business manager role to look like in that school? And they have quite a lot of autonomy generally in terms of how that is defined and how that operates and where that role sits, whether it's on SLC or whether it's not. So surely we should be going into the head teachers, shouldn't we? And and talking to the head teachers and trying to change that that attitude and, and making them understand the value and the impact like your head teacher does. Yes. And I think I'm sure head teachers talked talk as well, but it's a it's it's a, it's like you say, it's breaking into that 
And it would be really interesting to have like a, a question time panel made up of SBMs and head teachers and yeah. and kind of have that conversation. You can do the Fiona Bruce bit. Um <laughs> and the audience, well, we'll decide on who the audience can be later. And I think there's there are, and it's not saying that head teachers don't care. I'm sure there's lots of head teachers, I'm sure there's colleagues listening whose head teachers are as supportive. They're all supportive. Mm. But there's that want to that embrace school business leadership and use the resource that they've got most efficiently. Some head teachers don't know what they don't know, and I think the very first episode of this podcast was a head teacher talking about the value. It was yes. of a school business manager, and I think it's you know if you don't know what you don't know, it's very hard to change or even open your mind. And sometimes it's hard as the school business manager in that situation. To, to take that on yourself and to make change happen. So it's a case of how can we help each other in, in that perspective? How can we help each other as a collective, you know, make that point and, and change that mindset and culture? There are people that have ideas and things and suggestions that come from a different, work in a different sector, different industry than what we do. And I think the same is from a head teacher's point of view, is that they're at the top of this pyramid, they've got this autonomy, they've got that responsibility. In some respects, is the sector, is society doing a teacher a disservice? Because they don't, they can't, because of the structure and the nature of their role, they can't, there's certain things that they can't delegate on. Yeah. And I'm saying to my head teacher, I'm thinking, I can do that. Why are you doing that? You don't need to do that. Delegate it, give it to someone else to do. But the Education Act written back in when Noah was parking his ark up said that's what has to happen. So it's like no surprise that head teachers burn out and retire when they're 55 because mm. they're working. They are working 52 weeks a year. You know, over every school holiday, and people say, oh, it's only COVID. Well, nah, I think it happens without COVID. But I think it's possibly brought it to a head and maybe governors don't see it and the system doesn't see it. I certainly do. I'm hoping that COVID has brought some lessons to roost mm. in that head teachers, the profession, governors, um, support staff, teaching staff, people's roles, wherever they are in the sector, whether they're whichever sector and industry they're in. I, I think... And well, I, I do think that recognition and appreciation of people and roles has increased. I think in certain areas, roles and appreciation has decreased. But being selfish, because we're talking about school leaders, business leadership, I, I think head teachers have seen, governors have seen, parents have seen, if they're, if they're honest about it, um, schools have know dealt with this situation in a way that was never expected because they're constant constant swaps and changes and backwards and forwards and i know people say well it happened in all industries yeah i get that but in terms of the focus in terms of the microscope from society from the media from politicians of any kind the scrutiny that this sector has had in the last that I've seen, but it clearly has gone on since probably last January, February time when all this noise started. Um, but last year was all about 
one way of doing things. And then this year, because they knew it was going to be longer, we were able to prepare. I definitely think it's helped raise the profile of the SBL profession in terms of recognition for what the role is. And I hope, I think it's like what you said before, it's about momentum, isn't it? I hope that that momentum continues and that we capitalise on that spotlight that we've had on us for all the wrong reasons. But I think we have definitely risen to the occasion. I think so. Um, And maybe that's time is whilst it's all like anything, isn't it? When it's fresh in people's minds and it's the thing, I don't don't want it to become the the latest fad, the latest buzz here today, gone tomorrow. And I don't think it Mm. will be. But for those sort of, whether you're there, someone's listening and they're an aspiring business manager who are um, an office manager looking for the next step to into another sort of school in another, you know, up the ladder, somewhere maybe for a mat, take the opportunity to have that conversation with your head teacher. Take your own direction and your role by the, you know, take it for yours. It's yours. You've earned it. Have that conversation about development with your head teacher. Have that conversation about recognition. It might not, you know, they may not be able to find any more money. It's not always about money. But maybe they can do something on, if you term time only, they can you know, give you another couple of days annual leave. Or they can do something, or they could look at some courses. Your head teacher might not think you want to do any development. I've had this before where, you know, I've gone to people and said, you know, oh, we've got some training opportunities. Do you want to do it? It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. I just didn't think. Or they've come to me and said, oh, I don't get any development opportunities, blah, blah, blah. And how many times have we heard it? Well, I just thought you were happy doing what you're doing. Unless you say something, yeah. then we don't know. But it's two-way. It's a two-way street. And if you've got that relationship with your head teacher, I'm not saying that people do or don't. And, and only people know themselves if it's an approach, if their teacher is approachable to it. Is have that conversation about development of, you know, of your team whether you're, if you are responsible for someone else in the office or you're responsible for the cleaners or whatever it might be, start those conversations about development and it'll include yourself and have a look at those things and see what's out there. Um, and sometimes we just have to take responsibility and do things ourselves. And the head teacher is too busy sometimes because they're so curriculum-based, they're so Ofsted-based. Mm. Everything's focused around the Ofsted framework. And very little of the Ofsted framework impacts in some respects of what we do as school business leaders. Safeguarding, safe recruitment, the single central register. But Ofsted don't come in and look at your premises, do they? They do in terms of if they see something, but they're not going to come and check and audit to say, when did you do the last fire drill? They're not going to come in and say, can I have a look at your health and safety policy on uh, something? They're not. We don't get that scrutiny. So that's why uh, the focus is down the educational route and I understand why but maybe as a profession we just need to get the drums out get the drumsticks out and start beating the drums of ourselves and then people will start to hear because that's definitely what I'm advocating for on this podcast that is what this podcast is all about I think so. And I think with the work that, you know, in terms of the networking and the events that you've, you've put on as well, and, and the podcast that I listened to previously, there is definitely an appetite from within the sector, from within the profession to want to do something. Mm. But it's like anything sometimes, 
we sometimes have to do things ourselves because no one's going to do it for us. And in that respect, I'm not saying that they don't want to do it. They just don't know they want to do it. So we need to go to our head teachers and maybe this is, we're not, we're not sort of saying it's en masse. I'm not saying that, but start to have those conversations, have those delicate, what you may feel is a delicate conversation, but what's the worst that can happen? They say no, so you're no worse off. You just know where you stand. The, what could happen? No, opportunities could be made available. And, and as a side, um, if there are people thinking, well, how do I get into the role? Look at opportunities elsewhere within the sector. Look at opportunities to become a governor. That is definitely a plus. It's on. Yeah. It's, it's CPD because you're in another environment. You're seeing the other side of something. I also was a governor. I was a governor. I was also chair of finance and resources committee. Um, and I've been a trustee as well for a short period of time. And it does give you an insight of being on the other side of the table. And again, understanding another part of accountability and responsibility of schools. Yes. And it gives you exposure to information that you... I'm just going to you know, paint a picture. We There may be an office manager out there who goes well, how am I going to get experience in finance and premises? I'm the office manager. We've got a school business manager or we've got a a director of finance in a multi-academy trust. How am I going to get an insight to that? It's personal, private and confidential information. But mm. if you go and be a governor at a different school and you get to see the information from a different perspective that you wouldn't ordinarily see, uh, and it's yeah. confidential, so you know you, there's certain things you can't share. But that gets you insight in a different perspective of what a leadership role within a school has to produce, be involved in, so you can get that awareness. And also from a CPD point of view, it's a tick. And head teachers, and clearly I know this from my own experience, head teachers like it as well when you're going for jobs. And yeah, I would say if you're not a governor and you've got the time, go and speak to schools because there'll be vacancies all over the place. Wow, that has been such a wide-ranging discussion and you are literally, you know, almost a year into the role. So I suppose the question I want to finish on is, what's next? You know, you've done a lot already. You've, you've done your first year in COVID. What is next for you? Part of me is, <laughs> I'm not saying looking forward to the rest <laughs> in terms of next year. Um <laughs> I think this year has been a massive learning curve where I've been able yeah. to uh, have a handle on lots of different things. Certain things I've had to get into the detail of and certain things I've probably skirted the surface. There's certain opportunities for me in my school, in my setting, uh, there's improvements from a processing point of view I'd like to make um, and taking the discussions for what cash have we got available and how can I best use that in different ways where it will save us costs. So we may have to spend a little bit here, take a little bit out of there, get a saving over here, but then the the end product will be something efficient. It's to down to things like um, cashless payments, um, the amount of time it costs the school in non-cash terms to deal with all that, and it's inefficient. And I'm sure there's colleagues out there going, you, you, you take cash? What? <laughs> For me, it's about, you know, making some sort of concrete stakes in the ground of 
what I can do within my school. I'm looking forward to kind of breaking the back of my qualification and seeing that through um, this year. I can see there's some opportunities for um, networking within within the profession, within the sector, whether that be in the current local authority or elsewhere. I do I do see opportunities for you know like-minded school business leaders, like I've done in other sectors that I've worked, coming together to create a, you know just a an, a an informal networking group of of bouncing ideas of suggestions, so you can kind of you know, come to. Um, I do like the idea of the, the the work that you've put in um, on the uh, the new aspiring SBM page. Yeah, I think there's you know, mm-hmm. there's opportunities there for you to do that, and I think there's there's opportunities for collaboration, whether that be in you know, within within our own setting to to increase the profile and support that we can give and receive from our own setting, and I think you know being part of improving the profile of, of the profession going forward is, is something that I think we're all part of and we can all do our bit for. And that's something to look forward to the to the future, whether that be in sort of an, an existing role, looking at opportunities of maybe collaborating with other schools, whether that be in a co- cooperative or federation type concept, where you can kind of pool resources. I think there's opportunities there for for schools to work together, um, not necessarily as a mat, because they are, mm. there's different schools thought on that, pardon the pun, but this collaborative way of working for the greater good and pooling knowledge um, is something that um, I can see time and effort being put into going forward. The future is indeed exciting, I think, for the profession. So I look forward to catching up with you in another 12 months and finding out what's happened in another year. <laughs> part two (laughs) part two if people have questions about anything we've talked about today where can they find you yeah um as a technology person i'm i'm not a massive twitter person i I actually don't use 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 that i know sacrilege that's something i'm going to (laughs) i I will change i am on linkedin um i'm on your facebook page for your leadership program so people want to message me there on on linkedin um i'll share those details with you and you can put them in your podcast notes happy to do that thank you so much david for this wide-ranging conversation i have really enjoyed it and thank you so much for coming on no thank you i hope you enjoyed this as much as i did david has definitely had a steep learning curve these last 12 months as have many of you i know if you want to get in touch with david if you've got any questions or if you'd like to continue the conversation you can find david's details and mine in the show notes on my website at www.ljbusinessofeducation.co.uk. If you're on social media, I'd love to know what you think. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the same name, at Laura LJ Business. And if you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device and you like what you've heard, it would be great if you could rate and review the show as it makes it easier for others to find it. You can rate and review the show by selecting the show in the Apple Podcast app, scrolling to the bottom and either tapping the stars to rate and or selecting write a review this show is available in all of the podcast directories just make sure you hit the subscribe button in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode thank you so much for listening and i'll see you next week